Welcome, 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 ladies and gentlemen, and everybody in between. This is Feature This, a fan edit podcast. Today, today we're tackling a, a behemoth of an action movie that brings out quite a bit of opinions in just about anybody, well, in my age range, probably the 25, 35 age range. That um, came out in 2007, uh, Michael Bay's huge summer blockbuster, Transformers. So I have said on many occasions before, and I'll, I guess I'll repeat again, um, it's the science fiction genre that best tends to lend itself to the fan editing world. And Transformers is this movie that seems like it's a, uh, a great tool or a great source of a fan edit, um, primarily because it's a, an action movie that's about a little over two hours long, two hours and 10 minutes. It feels like two hours and 45, honestly. Um, it's, so it seems to be full of bloat that can be reduced. It's got a sci-fi element that in, in too many parts is, a, is just inconsistent, where uh, you have characters who are using science fiction like words, but there seems to be a, a lack of consistency um, in what they're saying uh, if you're trying to watch the film with a, you know, paying attention to the actual dialogue. And... Um, it's an action movie, and action movies uh, can be really smart, and they can be really dumb. And perhaps, uh, perhaps it's just my editing eye, but uh, as a fan editor, I, I see those things like, and I think that those are all things that are good things to make for a good fan edit. You can trim dialogue to make the science fiction elements work. You can uh, better pace the action movies, uh, action components, so it doesn't feel draggy. And and uh, you have a lot of to work with. Like I said, with an over two hour runtime, you have a lot to kind of parse out and deal and cut down into shape into something that's going to be more effective. On the contra- on the on the flip side of that, like if you had a really high intense action movie that with that was a uh, not very smart. Uh, if you only had ninety minutes to work with, then you're, you're kind of stuck. So the there's a fan edit the fan editor in me is looking at Transformers going this we, this can be worked on. The plot of the movie is there's a, an ancient um a robotic race. You know what? I'm I'm going to let me back up a little bit. I don't I don't want to jump too much into the plot right now. I want to talk a little about Transformers itself as culturally. Um, there were toys that came out in the 80s. Me and my brothers were into them. Uh, we had a bunch of them. I remember 
having this one that changed into six different things. It was like a a, a boat, a gun, a ship, a, a, a car, an airplane. Like it literally did all six transforming things. And I always I remember being so impressed by that. And I think that one was, they had one that was an Autobot version, and they made one that was a Decepticon version. I, I really wish we still had those things. I guess we, we have long since lost them, but they were a lot of fun. Um, <clears throat> and uh, fun to play with, of course, as uh, young uh, children did. Um, and there was a time when I got into this... Um, TV show called Robotech, and I would wake up every morning and actually record the the show off of a at the time was the the Cartoon Network, and it was early in the morning, like six six thirty in the morning, and the the show that preceded it was Transformers, and uh, so I was catching the last fifteen minutes of a Transformers episode along with that. Um, along with watching Robotech, and I, I got into the show. I mean, I was into what I was there to record, but I was into what was going on with the Transformers world. It was, it was, it was a serial. It had plot. It had, you know, one episode bounced off the next. I don't know how many uh, were standalone episodes. It, w- it really was a, a story um, that was available that, that you didn't see in, in traditional cartoons as a kid. Um, contrasting that with the whole, you know, everything that was offered through Hanna-Barbera and whatnot, which were all, you know, one-shot episodes. So it was a a different attempt of telling a larger story, and it was sort of like this little thing as a kid where it's like, this is not just, it's not, it doesn't just pander to kids. Like, there's a, there's an adultness to it, a, a serious quality. And that was even more evident when uh, they started making these Transformer movies and they actually killed uh, Optimus Prime. Optimus Prime being the um, the main protagonist of the of the Autobots. And so there was always this this sense that this was a uh, it, it kind of catered to a youthful, uh, you know, toying, nostalgic kind of quality. But then it also had serious adult um, qualities as well. And so I remember back in oh five and a half, oh six, when they were talking about this, uh, Michael Bay coming out, coming out with a Transformers movie, I was, uh, I was very interested to see how this is going to play out. Um, Michael Bay has done some really smart action movies and he's done a lot of misses that are action movies as well. Um, I think the rock is one of the best action movies ever made. And I believe that's a Michael Bay picture. Um, the the fact that he was the guy who was going to come in and do Transformers, I, I kind of felt like there's probably one or two people, uh, two or three directors who could probably handle that, and he would be on that that short list. I think the others might be um, maybe a Tony Scott or um, uh, who's the guy who did uh, the Die Hard franchises. I can't can't remember his name off the top of my head. John McTiernan. Like I, I would trust one of those three. Uh, with Transformers, and Michael Bay got it. And uh, what we have here is the, the the biggest problem with with Transformers is that I'm looking at it as um, this epic war between almost indestructible robots of good and evil duking it out on our planet while we're sort of pawns in the whole um, in the whole battle versus a a a um a comedic 
um, lighthearted, uh, lighthearted, almost comedy. I mean, that's 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 kind of what the conflict is with this movie. Is that on one hand it wants to be serious and dramatic and really explore this uh, epic war that's going on, and on the other hand you want uh, these really silly characters and and a few silly robots who are just kind of there for comic relief. And the two don't work. It's either they should have lowered the brow of the of this film and made, it went straight comedy, or they should have excised all of the comedic elements and really hit hard on this, uh, and really played to the whole science fiction nature of of the fact that you know what happens what would happen if an alien war broke out on our planet and not against us but just their their war kind of came into our universe. I think that would be. I think that's a lot of there's a lot of rich content there, and uh, that's where Transform and Transformers actually has a lot of good material in that department, and then it's the other stuff that kind of gets in the way. So, kind of an over overarching view as a editor looking to fix it, I can't I can't imagine anybody else, any other editor looking at this and going, "Well, I'm going to keep all the comedy stuff." Uh, I, I think that's the part that's going to be excised out of anybody who attempts to fan edit this movie. Um, and so let me let me let me touch on a few uh, plot strands to kind of better pinpoint where these where um, an editor can probably make make a difference. Um, the movie starts off with a voiceover, and I've said before I hate voiceovers. Um, in fact, a lot of stuff is sort of mentioned in before mentioned later in the movie, so it could probably be cut out. Um, but it starts off with a voiceover by the the Regal uh, Optimus Prime. I love his voice. I, I always joke that. Um, the Transformers movies were always uh, not good enough to have Optimus Prime in them. He's he's too good of a character, um, but in part is his is his kind of regal voice, and it starts off with a a voiceover with him talking about um, the uh, before the universe there was the cube, and the cube gave life. And effectively, what we're talking about is this uh, the MacGuffin of the movie, this cube that exists and which uh, apparently originally gave uh, life to the the spark of life, if you will, to the uh, original Transformer races. Um, there was a war between, uh, you know, on that planet between the Autobots and the Decepticons, and it looks like the Decepticons won, um, but the cube was lost uh, as a result, and the Decepticons were, and the Autobots are out to seek and find the cube because it's a source of power and its ability to uh, create more uh, robotic life. And uh, that cube, of course, lands on Earth somewhere, and... Um, that's the uh, opening, um, you know, voiceover of the film. At this point, you sort of have uh, two sort of plot strands going uh, in tandem with one another. One is the um, the the military get, getting involved in discovering, or getting it just really getting involved with um, the robots, the Decepticons, as they become closer and closer to finding the all uh, finding the all spark here on Earth. Uh, and and as they also look for their leader uh, Megatron, and then you have a completely different story of um, this guy named Sam Witwicky, played by uh, Shia LaBeouf, and he's a teenager. He's in looks. I think they said that he's in high school, and uh, like a junior or something. And he is just kind of going about his day, being uh, you know a kid, and he inadvertently uh, becomes embroiled with uh, one of the Autobots that's undercover named Bumblebee. And uh, 
that plot um, that plot line they merge when um, about somewhere near the second act when the military is trying to track down and keep a handle on these robots sort of get in uh, entangled with him who's already um, pretty well involved in them. The weakest um, subplot uh, that gets introduced is on the plot strand with the military. The they do a very lousy job of sort of the the detectiving. So in in all of these kind of movies, when you have um, something completely out of the ordinary, like an alien um, invasion or an alien introduction to human species, there's sort of this detecting detective work plot that always unfolds where smart humans are starting trying to figure out what could this be because at the long list of possibilities is the fact that it's an alien and those the, i always like that little plot that happens in the movies to try to um watch as it's really smart people sort of um come to the con- the inevitable conclusion of what we as the audience member already knows but we want to we want to see them earn it you know and uh what this involves is the Department of Defense bringing in a bunch of hackers uh, who will, you know, decode or this hacking thing that uh, one of the Decepticons did at the opening of the movie in order to track down who is who are these people that are hacking our uh, our network. And it's this it's this really lame techno babble kind of plot strand where people are talking about energies and wavelengths and. And, 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 and I can't even remember all the techno babble because it doesn't even, it doesn't really have any, it's like they, they, the hacker has like a sound and they analyze the sound and they say, this sound isn't like what we have from Iran or what we, or what the Chinese, it's it's like, it's, it's so silly. And I, I know the intent of all of that is to show that these are super high level you know, secrecy kind of stuff, and this is what it sounds like on their side. And I'm not like a super, you know, techno dork or whatnot, but I mean, I understand that uh, the conveyance of this information to the audience is just so poorly done. And and I I, I and I have to say that maybe that's not the case if you're like you know eight, nine, ten years old. But if you have you know any kind of working knowledge and you want this movie to sort of be that bridge between yeah we know we're talking about you know giant alien robots you know coming to earth but handling it with some seriousness and i think michael bay to some degree wants to do that because like there's there's so many sort of uh intense shots of the of the uh, and majestic shots of the transformers either transforming or you know doing their things jumping around and whatnot um, and engaging in battle, and there is, of course, the like even um, like there's this one little sort of pseudo monologue with uh, um, uh, with Optimus Prime and his fellow Autobots who are saying, "Hey, Bumblebee's been taken," um, but he says, "Perhaps, perhaps we can save Bumblebee's life, but if he's going to die, we can't let it be in vain. We have to continue our mission." And so there's there's a gravity there that uh, that this screenplay seems to understand or want to play to when it comes to the fact that this is a war and what and what conflict conflicts with that are all these comedic scenes like the first sign that you know that something is going that this isn't this isn't going to get off on the right foot uh, throughout the whole film is this uh it's the hacking has already been done the department of defense knows that something is awry and inside air force one a robot, one of the Transformers is like a, a CD player and it like transforms into this 
really silly kind of hyperkinetic dog-like pet-like robo transformer decepticon thing i don't even know how to describe it but the way it like tinkle ting 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 ting's around and how the way it animates and the way it looks and the way it how it com- is completely obvious about it moving around and everybody else is completely oblivious that it's moving around it's making all these cute chirpy noises and it it's just this what it's almost like this this whole little thing doesn't even belong in this movie this isn't you know uh, like where it's so silly like why having this thing in here and it's so con- conflicts with you know the gravity of you know the big epic uh transformers that have already been introduced into this movie um i i there's this also this card that the game that the game listen to me it kind of feels like a video game but there's this card that this this movie wants to play where a lot of this you know giant transformative things are happening uh pun intended i guess uh, in the planet with the introduction of you know these large-scale robots and yet they want to play like well not everybody is really you know catching on this is what's going on um you you, you can't have it both ways you can't have a movie that you know really explores the 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 chaos and the destruction of having this war going on amongst these robots and then in the same breath sort of underplay people's interaction with it and how it, there are no like there should be sequences particularly in the second maybe third act of camera crews and people online like this was back in 2007 i mean i know not everybody had smartphones back then but it certainly the internet was alive and well high speed and this this information have gotten out like there should have been in the third act really large scale implications of of what this is going to be they can't just turn into cars and be in hiding as the ending suggests um moreover like and, and to highlight this little conflict is a scene earlier in the movie which is it's it's very humorously acted. I, I I do enjoy the comedy of it. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna fault that the the performances by the four characters with uh, Megan Fox, Shia LaBeouf, and the two actors who play his parents. Um, when he the he discovers that an old artifact of his grandfather's is going to help them locate the uh, AllSpark, um, which actually has is problematic to me, but I'll get to that in a second. But um they go he goes back to his house to retrieve this artifact and the the autobots are like walking around the house and nobody sees them nobody reports them uh the thumping of the ground like there's a sense that one of them like falls over and they're like oh it must be an earthquake and um you you like i said you can't have these giant things just be in the world and nobody notice them uh, no neighbors come out and notice them. The the fact that they're like walking and talking and whispering, however loud those giant robots do whisper, uh, and and everything is just out of earshot. It, it it's it, the logic and the the logic has to be so logic has to be so thrown out the window in order to get the comedy stuff. That when it tries to go back to the gravity of the situation, hey. You know, I need to get this artifact so I can get the AllSpark before Megatron does and brings chaos to this world. Um, it, it that gets lost in the mix there. Um, but again, it's it's playing to this idea that the the film wants to have it both ways, where you have this epic conflict that is going to affect everybody on Earth, and then nobody on Earth really kind of gets involved. Um, a handful of military people. Um, the handful of civilians, and that's it. 
of course, it's always a challenge doing these kind of large scale movies, like even like Independence Day, um, where you have to focus the movie on some individuals. You can't do it on everybody, but at least Independence Day brings in a global conflict, and you have you feel like the global uh, effects of this are taking root. Um, that you don't get that in this at all. Uh, which is unfortunate. I, perhaps I was supposed to be set up for the second and third movies and whatnot, but uh, you, and if I remember correctly, in the second movie, there's some kind of like it's a conspiracy that there's robots around or something like that, and everything else in the first movie is blamed on an earthquake. Nonsense. It's impossible. Like, there's so much widespread destruction. There's so much, you know, airplanes falling out of the sky and, and tanks blowing up streets, and uh, you can't say, you can't just run around and convince, you know, the, the half million people who saw that, that, oh, no, it's just an earthquake. That's just a, completely improbable. That that needs to have real-world implications. Um, and unfortunately, there's nothing like that to add, so as a fan editor, you're kind of stuck, um, which is unfortunate. Another unfortunate plot strand that gets uh, wrapped up in this movie is this mysterious government agency called Sector 7. Um it's the typical go-to uh, cliche uh, of the secret uh, government agency that knows what's going on. Um, and it's not played well. It's not played straight. It's played high, very comedically. Um, uh, John Turturro, who's a brilliant actor, plays that role of the, the agent in charge, so to speak. And he, he, he's, he's play, he plays it for laughs. And it, it, it shouldn't be that way. Um, and it, and then they have this, uh, oh, yeah, here's the, we found Megatron. We Actually, I thought it was a pretty clever idea that they have Megatron. They've been doing a bunch of experiments on him, hiding him inside the layers of concrete of the Hoover Dam. Um, I can give points for, I can get behind that idea, but what I can't get behind is the whole idea that all the technology that we've ever had has been reverse engineered from this from this robot. And I'm like, oh, God, no, that, I really don't like the idea that we're going to, you know Marconi and uh, and uh, all the great scientists who invented you know whatever were all just yeah well it was all government stuff they didn't really make any advancements I, I don't like undermining <laughs> uh, their achievements in that department um, so I'd probably look to cut that that particular line out and a bunch of others around it um, but that little tiny robot thing ends up coming uh, back multiple times in the movie um, I have to say. It's going to be challenging to remove all incidences of it. Um, it's going to be challenging removing all of the comedy uh, of this movie. And I, I, I'm kind of, honestly, I'm a little bit torn about that because a lot of the comedy in this really works. Like um, Shia LaBeouf's, you know, sort of, you know, spastic uh, performance is is really charming. It's fun to watch. Um and uh, and the uh, the supporting characters who come in and do funny stuff. It is funny that Anthony Anderson, when he comes into the movie as the the real hacker supreme, uh, he's totally hilarious. Um, but the fact is, is like, like there's no believability that this guy could possibly be a world renowned hacker. No possibility that he would be, you know, useful in any sense from, you know, like I said, it's in the global disaster side of the movie, having him come in and be who he is and say who he is, it's completely goes against that. Um, this kind of, again, this is the conflict that needs to be resolved if anybody were to take this on as a fan editing project. 
Um, I feel like I've repeated myself several times there. It only underscores, I guess, the importance of it. I want my sci-fi to be serious. Uh, I don't mind people, funny people being in science fiction situations uh, and, and reacting in comedic ways, but what I don't want are the are to be expected that you know jokesters are going to be like <laughs> the jokesters are going to be the prime hackers of the world there's an actress that they they hire to be like the go-to person who decodes the transformer transformer hack sound effect whatever it is and uh she's like this completely gorgeous blonde i think she has an australian accent and who a young gorgeous blonde is just like there are no young there just isn't any gorgeous young blonde uh top tier hackers in the world there just aren't and if there is the film needs to recognize that needs to pick a note like really you of all people you know that that needs to be played up if they're going to make me want to believe that otherwise it's just like all right well they go they're just they're just putting eye candy on the screen and i'm okay with that given different kinds of movies but this is the kind of movie that if if you want to play it straight and make it the the epic that it wants to be you you, got to stay away from those kind of uh weak lowest common denominator kind of stuff um i don't know if any editor can actually take her out of the movie because there's a little too many plot strands that unless you can entirely erase no you can't do that because you know there's too many action stuff at the end where those characters are involved um it's gonna be a struggle for a fan i this is the kind of movie that i would really i it would be very interesting from a just to make it challenging to see if you could actually come in and fix this movie and really make it you know really serious and really play to those hardcore sci-fi roots um, it'd be really challenging to do so, and maybe that's the fun of doing something like this is to explore the challenge of it. Um, I once uh, got Battlefield Earth and took a look at that to see if uh, that would be worth watching or worth fan editing. Because talk about term, you know talk about a challenge. Um, I felt like there wasn't enough in that movie to you know to to be left over to make it worth to be worth anything. So I, I never bother to uh continue with that project um but transformers is this it's got this appeal to it it's beautifully shot i don't care what anybody says it's beautifully shot uh i think mike i think i remember reading an old quote from michael bay said something to the effect of anybody can go to the south of france and make a, a you know an hour and a half movie but there's only a handful of people who can make transformers and i totally agree and uh this kind of movie is is it's so big and so uh, epic that I want it to not be dumb. And unfortunately, it's really dumb uh, in places that it doesn't need to be. And um, maybe it can be fixed. Maybe it can't. I I really don't know. Um, But I am going to be checking out uh, an edit here, and we're going to give it a watch. Um, I believe the fan editor's name is Uncanny Ant-Man, and um, he has an edit of Transformers. I I could have gone through the plot of this uh, movie, but it's... It's almost it's almost too much. I, you know, you, all you really need to know are the the beep, the the plot strands of. Well, I feel like a lot of people already are familiar with this movie, and 
uh, honestly, it's hard to kind of go back and remember, you know, how the thing unfolds one beat to the next because there really is a lot. This is a, it's, I've said it before, it is a, it's kind of a behemoth of a movie. It, it, it's got a lot happening in, uh, in the two hour runtime that it has. Um, and uh, the the parts worth mentioning, of course, are the parts that I already have. But anyway, um, Uncanny Ant-Man and his edit of Transformers. And um, we're going to give it a watch and see how good, it, how good it plays. All right. Thanks for listening. Catch you on the flip side. The Transformers, more than meets the eye. Autobots wage their battle to destroy the evil forces of the Decepticons, the Transformers. Robots in disguise, the Transformers. More than meets the eye, the Transformers. Alrighty, uh, we're back. Back to discuss Uncanny Ant-Man's fan edit of Transformers. And um, this is a really... This is a, a really strong edit. Um, it, it's not without its flaws, um, but this is a really, really good edit that drastically streamlines uh, the movie, cuts out a lot of the fat that we would all complain about, or certainly that I complain about, and uh, makes for um, makes for a really good movie. This is a this okay. Starting off, the the runtime of the first one is about two hours and ten minutes. I believe the runtime on this guy is about, excuse me, about an hour and 35 minutes. So what we're looking at about is about 35 minutes has been cut out of the movie. Now, I can't tell you, I can't go through, of course, all of the edits that would result in 35 minutes being cut out of the movie, but all I can say is that it's drastic. Um, Perhaps the most of the bulk, like the bulk stuff that's been cut out um, is at the beginning. So, the well, first off, before I get into the uh, the movie, uh, I want to say that the praise that I have for this edit is that it it removes so much of the dumb stuff. Um, the problem is it doesn't make the movie that much smarter, um, and uh, I don't I don't know why it doesn't it's uh, but it it doesn't so um you're gonna hear that theme i imagine uh throughout most of my commentary here um but let's start off with the beginning um the opening of the actual movie starts off like i said with the voiceover of optimus explaining this um the history of the cube and its effects on cybertron their home planet that's that that's no longer in this and i don't like voiceovers so um i'm happy with that being gone um it also doesn't have the opening shots of the soldiers. Like there's the the military plot line, and then there's the Samwit Wiki plot line. And the military plot line starts with the introduction of a few soldiers, uh, played by Josh Duhamel, and um, I think Tyrese Gibson is his name. Um, and that little introduction shows those characters in, interacting. And it's their, you know, it's the introduction to those characters. Uh, they're all flying in the back of a an uh, of an airplane and a military military craft, and they're landing at this base in Qatar that's going to be eventually um, attacked. And I believe the um, I believe the actual movie starts with them landing on the base in Qatar, 
and the attack sequence playing out. Um, I don't recall exactly if they go back to Sam with, to the Sam plot line um, before the attack plays out. I think the attack plays out first. I'm pretty sure about that. So um, what happens is there's a, um, a, 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 a transformer in the form of a helicopter that lands. Uh, a lot of crazy stuff goes on. It uh, transforms and then kills, a, you know, blows up this military base and in the process accesses the, the hard drive, um, the network, as they say in this movie. Um, and uh, he's blowing up some stuff as he leaves, and that's the end of that sequence. But that introduces the, the, the characters that are going to be on the, um, <clears throat> on, the, uh, on the military plot line. It also establishes that this is sort of about, you know, the Transformers are looking for technical data or some kind of information on some kind of network, and that they they blow shit up. So... Um, so that's our that's established before we get to the Sam Wit Wiki plot line, and and in the original, the Wit Wiki plot line starts. I like saying Wit Wiki, so I might continue to do so. Um, it starts with him actually at school, uh, if I remember correctly. the The first shot of him is in a schoolroom, and he's doing a quick little with a genealogy project, talking about uh, his great great grandfather who is. Uh, some Captain Witwicky, who um, we discover in the plot, uh, found the original Megatron in the Arctic um, 100 and plus what odd years ago. Um, and uh, that's when you, his, his character is introduced. Megan Fox's character is introduced. She's sort of the, the hot classmate who uh, is dating the, 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 the jerk, the, the, the jockey jerk guy. And uh, Witwicky uh, tries to sell some of his grandfather's material in front of the class because he wants to get money. Um, why does he want to get money? Well, he explains it to his counselor in some cheesy line where he's like, I need the money to get a car. And, uh, and he comes up with the money, he gets the, and, then he takes, and then his dad takes him to go buy a car. All of that is removed. Uh, everything I said about the Sam plot line. Actually, more is removed because... Um, Following that sequence, he does end up buying the car, uh, courtesy of a, a funny little um, introduction with, uh, oh, what what is that guy's name? Um, I don't recall his name off the top of my head, but but Bernie Bernie Mac, and um, he he gets the car, which of course is Bumblebee, and um, and then there's this whole sequence where he and his buddy take Bumblebee, take the car out to the lake to crash some party, and they bump into. Uh, Megan Fox and her boyfriend and he does something disparaging to her so she leaves him and then he uses the car and picks her up and then they take her somewhere he takes her uh, to some other place and then um, then he eventually drops her off at the house and that's his whole introduction to her and to him and Megan Fox and that all of that stuff establishes a lot of character stuff between Megan Fox and uh, Sam's character um this movie cuts all of that out. The only thing we get, uh, the movie starts off with, like I said, n- n- all the stuff that I've said so far, it's all gone. The attack on the uh, on the Qatar base does happen, but not not in this opening segment. The movie opens with him doing a quick little check on his uh, computer to see if he's got his his glass his father's stuff on eBay, including his glass his glasses, and then it cuts to him getting the car with his dad 
And then after that, uh, that sequence ends. It does a, a, a credit sequence uh, that has been customized by uh, the editor. Um, following that is then the base on the attack on Qatar. So he, here's the challenge. And I, I, I do appreciate that there's an effort made to streamline this whole introduction because it is goes from a lot of starts from A, then does another A, then does another A, that kind of thing. Um, the problem is, is that because we don't have the uh, proper sort of introduction between Sam and Megan's Megan Fox's character, her her name in the movie is like Michaela, Michaela, Malika, I forget something like that. I just referred to as Megan Fox. Um, is that when they do get introduced later in this edit, um, she just sort of kind of you know kind of jumps into his plot line without. It seems weird that the two of them are together, and it seems weirder that their relationship doesn't really get that, you know, that really strong kind of opening that you would think um, that, you know, a film like this kind of deserves. Um, And so it makes her character, without that strong introduction, she... I don't know. She feels like this thing that's really tacked on. I, I understand from a plot pr- perspective, you know, screenwriting, writing, you know, in a sense, she is tacked on. Um, but the, I think the the aim of the the fan edit should to to minimize that and not kind of make it worse. And I think cutting out her introduction may have made that worse. Um, yes, it probably would have added another seven minutes to the screen time, maybe ten. Um, but I think those are important minutes to have at the beginning. Um, one of the things that I said in the first half of this uh, podcast was that the comedy in the movie is what really kind of hurts and draws this and kind of puts a bunch of weights on this and takes it down. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm going to uh, refine that statement. The comedy works fine in the first and much of the second act. It's when we start moving into the the real bulk of the movie and certainly in the climax where the gravity of what's going on should really uh, trump any of the comedy. Um, this editor has done a terrific job removing the comedy in that part, in the second and third act, but he probably goes a little too far in the first act. Um, and there are certain moments where... Um, and, and I think a lot of that is tied into those those sequences I've already talked about, um, and uh, and perhaps perhaps it's just the flaw of the movie. Like there's this whole section of the movie that is just as soon as it starts, it it it, it just rubs you the wrong way, and it's the movie really doesn't ever recover from it. And this fan edit kind of suffers in the same sense. Um, so the Qatar base is attacked. The Pentagon is brought in. They bring in the analysts. There's some good editing there. Um, a lot of the introduction to the analyst is is taken out. There's sort of a streamlining of their plot where it doesn't jump back and forth uh, several times. It sticks with the analysts quickly doing their job. Um, I did like that. Um, it did add a little sense of urgency that I think the original didn't necessarily have. Um, and... Uh, and then it cuts back, you know, after, um, uh, during that sequence, then it cuts back to uh, the Sam's character. Now, remember, all he's done is bought in the car. And uh, then he wakes up in the middle of the night and the car is driving off. 
and he hasn't again he hasn't been introduced to he hasn't done anything with the car he doesn't he had there's no dialogue about him wanting the car to get chicks or any any of his interaction with megan fox but the car gets stolen at night he runs out to go chase it down and uh he ends up following it into this kind of junkyard like area where bumblebee turns into the giant robot and then does his little batman uh uh bat signal to the sky kind of thing and uh and then he's chased by dogs and we don't see the follow-up to that. Um, in the original, there's a follow-up where he's, you know, he, he goes back to, he gets a, he's actually in the police, uh, I forget how he gets there, but he gets arrested with the, the cops because he filed the, the stolen car report, and then he's trying to explain that it would turn into a robot, and they all think he's kind of insane. Um, the It's not that I like that I don't really like that sequence so much because it's a it's kind of a bizarre thing that's sort of played for comedy when it should be played a little bit uh, for a little bit of dramatic sense in that there's the coming to grips with the fact that you are you know you're dealing with aliens here and that kind of uh, that emotion that kind of gripping um, feeling that you're coming to terms with it that's not really in this edit it doesn't do it very well in the original either to be fair um but that that scene kind of helps play to that and i'm wondering if that scene could have been kept in and maybe trimmed as opposed to just deleted altogether um but nevertheless it's it's gone so he wakes up the car um he sees bumblebee turn into the whatever and uh and he sees a teenage giant robot, and then we don't get a follow up from that. It's just he all the next time we see Sam, he's at home like doing the dishes or whatnot, and it's you would think that he would have talked to somebody. You would have seen the scene where he had talked to somebody, or he shared to somebody, or tried to explain to somebody. Nothing. We don't get anything like that. All we get is that uh, he gets home and the 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 car pulls into the front yard, and he. He freaks out and takes a bike and starts pedaling away to try to out to get away from it. Um, Bumblebee follows him while he's on the bike, and then he kind of the bike kind of flips over, and that's when he uh, lands and kind of crashes. And then Megan Fox is there. He's like, um, "Hey, how are you doing? That was cool. <laughs> it's kind of a fun little thing." Uh, his reaction is like, "Yeah, it felt." Oh, he says, she says, that was awesome. Like, and he's like, yeah, it felt awesome. It was really funny the way the deliveries there are. But the point is that's the introduction to Megan Fox's character. And, you know, he, he gets on the bike and goes back to what it seems like as some kind of under uh, the uh, kind of like a, a, an under a bridge kind of area. And, um, and Bumblebee catches, goes there to follows him there and then a police car is actually a decepticon follows him there and then megan fox we don't really understand in this edit but megan fox jumps on a bike and starts following him there too um the reason why we don't really get that in this edit is because without the previous introduction we're we don't know who this person is we have no interest we have no idea why she um would you know abandon her friends to follow this guy on her moped um <clears throat> uh but she does and she ends up under the bridge with them and uh, that particular vehicle turns into a Decepticon and starts talking to um, uh, Sam about the uh, the um, the glasses. The are you the Witwicky uh, descendant? Um, I should mention before that the one of the scenes that I complained about in the first half is this um, transformer that turns into a uh, a stereo and then like 
and then is on Air Force One, and then like it moves around and doesn't get seen. It's really ridiculous. Um, a lot of that was trimmed out. Um, it actually works fairly well now. Uh, that that machine, that particular Autobot um, Decepticon, is still in the movie. It's been cut down quite a bit, but it's still there. Um, but that particular scene, that sequence, uh, was edited much better than what's in the original. It's a lot more tolerable. Let's put it that way. Um, but anyway, that's what gives uh, that other the Decepticons the knowledge of the glasses, which is why they're going after Witwicky in the garage. And then Bumblebee comes up and uh, stops this uh, guy from interrogating Sam. And then that's the the two of them. There's a kind of a fight sequence that uh, goes. <laughs> I should probably say there's an action sequence that happens here. But if I said that uh, every time there was. Uh, we would never, I would never get through this movie because there's an action sequence practically every two and a half minutes. Um, but then the two of them, you know, are staring at these giant, are staring at this giant bumblebee uh, transformer, and you really don't. Again, we're missing that. What are we doing? Are we really looking at aliens? The shock and disbelief is not there. They're very, very accepting of it, and uh, a little too much for my my sci-fi tastes. Um, but uh, they uh, they jump in the car and um, uh, go on. There's um, there's still some cheesy stuff that you just can't get rid of, unfortunately. And I I, I sense that if the editor could, they would. Like um, the fact is, is like uh, that car, the Bumblebee car. Uh, just to give you an idea of the little things I'm talking about, the Bumblebee car when he first buys it, of course, is kind of a, a junker Dodge Charger looking thing. And um, Megan Fox's character makes a comment about if he can just if he's a super advanced robot, why didn't he transform to a better car? And the car kind of like spins out and dumps him on the side of the road. And he's like, "Good, you made him mad." And then it like drives down this tunnel and then does a U-turn. Then it like for whatever reason it jumps up on uh, two wheels, like uh, like he's turning on the side. And uh, and then that's when it scans another uh, Dodge Charger. And then I think it's a Dodge. I don't know. I'm not familiar with cars that much. And then he, he lands, and all of a sudden he's a two thousand, a model two thousand seven. Uh, whatever car um the fact that he's on those two wheels is silly that shouldn't be there um but you need that because that's the shot where he scans the other car to see uh you know so he can take on that image um and the movie kind of has a whole bunch of little things like that where you're just like ah it's so it doesn't need to be that way it could be simpler or uh less uh, silly or less extravagant and still get the point across um, this edit cuts out a lot of that stuff uh, to the credit, um, but that would be like something that it's, that's still in the movie that you kind of wish was gone, um, but nonetheless. Um, so the uh, the cuts back to the crew on Qatar who um, who did uh, I don't know if it, it cuts back then or previously, but the there were some survivors of course play you know, and uh, then the Scorpion Transformer attacks them. Um, there's this whole long comedic sequence in the original where he's trying to talk to the Pentagon and, and between him and the Pentagon is some call, you know, person in, um, in India who won't transfer the call unless he gets a credit card. So this whole sequence where he's like trying to get a credit card, uh, it's really cheesy and bad and silly and it's all gone. So this works a lot better. He calls some kind of number and then he asks for the Pentagon and boom, now we're talking to the Pentagon. So um, that was a, a, a smart use of the edit. Um, 
there's uh, there's also uh, like I said, I can't really go through all the little trims that I'm I'm kind of going in my head. I'm trying to f- go back and forth between what I'm missing and what I'm forgetting. One of the things that's also difficult with this particular um, movie is that it you can basically intercut between the two plot lines um, pretty pretty easily. So you there's not a lot of it's hard to remember uh, what is happening when because it doesn't matter compared to one plot line to the other until they kind of merge in the second act. Um, so that's why it's really difficult to kind of place the sequences, particularly at the beginning. Um, but anyway, I just remember this one little tiny shot that also was removed and uh, where um, when Sam is in the underground, under the uh, um, when he's getting attacked by that police vehicle, uh, it kind of like does this aggressive sort of like uh, accelerating, braking, accelerating, braking right in front of him several times, which is actually, I, th- I thought it was pretty well done even in the original, except there's part where, like, uh, like the headlight comes, like, grows out of it, and it, like, gets spikes, and it, like, kind of gets closer to Sam, and then, and then it, like, it's like a weird threatening thing, and then it goes back into the car, and then it turns into the Transformer. Uh, I, that, all that was, it was all, it wasn't very good in the original, and all that's cut out here. Um, so what I'm saying is that these, that's one of these little moments that there's probably a, a dozen or two of those little tiny things throughout this edit that I, I'm not going to remember, but I know they're there, um, in talking about this, that, that, but they're really good, strong little, little nips and tucks that, that do make a, this, a, a more streamlined, uh, digestible version. Um, there's um one of my favorite sequences in the original is the is the scene where Bumblebee does sort of call down the rest of the Autobots and they they come in from space and they crash land all over the place and uh there's some kind of some human interaction and then they all kind of meet up and uh it sort of ends with this um uh with Optimus Prime rolling up and then you see him transform in front of a um, in front of a, da, 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 in front of Sam and, and Megan Fox, um, I really like that sequence in the original. It's it's not spectacular, but it's really well done. It kind of has this epic hype to it. Um, there were a few moments in that that worked, I thought, in the original that were cut out here, and it's not to say that the, what was cut out is bad, um, but it. It um the 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 payoff didn't seem as great, so I feel like I need to retroactively say that some of the edits done in that sequence, uh, I may f- I may vote to reverse. Uh, just one part of that, for example, was there's this one of the Autobots lands sort of in the the pool of this <laughs> rather wealthy uh, family, and uh, the only thing. Uh, and this child is awoken, and you can see that she looks up under her pillow looking for, like, uh, she has, like, a little tooth fairy pouch. And so she gets out of her um, bed and goes down outside to go look at what's there. And um, that's the Autobot uh, escapes from the pond and sort of uh, from the pool and kind of hides. And she asks before it does, are you the tooth fairy? Um, then her father comes running out of the house and goes, what is that? Oh, my God, what happened to the pool? That kind of thing. 
Um, in this version, that the uh, the couple little shots of her awaking, awakening her, see, uh, checking her little tooth fairy pouch, her going out to the side of the pool, her asking, "Are you the tooth fairy?" is all removed, and. You know, you kind of think to yourself, okay, well, I mean, you can remove all that. You still have the Autobot landing and walking away. What's the harm, right? Um, the problem is, is that the 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 father comes out and the, his little three year old daughter is out there standing by the pool, and he asks, "What are you doing here?" And we're thinking the same thing. What are you doing there? Uh, without the introduction of the, uh, without that little bit of a tooth fairy little subplot kind of thing. Uh, you lose the motivation there. And it, uh, and it's not that it, the original is bad. It's not bad. It's just the problem is that when you do it this way, it, your brain kind of does a little, wait, why is that? And there's no answer, and then it moves on. And uh, that's one of the challenges with, with, with a lot of fan editing is that you want to remove stuff that is excessive, but you have to make sure that when you're done doing that edit that you're not sitting there at the end going, when somebody watches it, are they feeling like something is missing? And that was a little micro moment where I felt like something was missing. And I think that there was a um, perhaps one or two others that happened in that sequence, which why, which is why when he does the big, you know, Optimus reveal there, it doesn't quite have that kick. Now, it possibly doesn't quite have that kick because I watched the movie earlier today and I'm a little uh, transformed out at the moment. Um, but um, I'm trying to be honest with that edit and why that didn't work and possibly the after effects of it. So um, maybe something to reconsider uh, should the editor ever crack open this again. Um, then it comes up to uh, the Optimus explaining to um, Sam Witwicky the, the history of Cyber, Cybertron, Megatron, the Cube, etc., um, I don't know if this is a possibility, so this is just me kind of thinking out loud, but I was kind of thinking that maybe you could use the opening voiceover um, and tie and use that in this in this section here, have him explain that first there was the cube um, and then use that voiceover to kind of paint the story of Cybertron. Um, only because I feel like that voiceover is pretty important from a narrative standpoint because right now the cube... We don't really get a sense of how like majestic the cube is. Like before time, there was the cube. Um, the cube is a, is a lot less important in this edit, and uh, to kind of to kind of go back and add uh, add importance to it, I think that maybe that would be an interesting addition. But nonetheless, they do they do go into the the voiceover slash flashback, if you will, of the Cybertron. Um, Flashback isn't the right word, but it cuts back to the old Cybertron um, to to talk about uh, the history of the Autobots and the Decepticons. I did notice that there was a uh, a crossfade um, that happens pretty suddenly in order to, when that when that starts in order to end with the, to go back into the and to cut to the um, the Cybertron part. Um, I think that crossfade was there to erase. There's like this, he uses like some holographic thing to kind of tell the story. Uh, but then there's no real payoff to that. Uh, when that cuts back to them, you know, him telling the story or like, uh, the, um, the ground sort of like falls away. Like it's, uh, like it's kind of this weird effect. It's, it's, 
it looks cool when you first see it, but then you kind of realize it's kind of not cool, like it's kind of silly. So I'm wondering, I guess the, the editor must have done like this crossfade in order to uh, bypass that particular edit. And it just seems weird. Like maybe I'm thinking a hard cut uh, would have would have been better if you could find a place for that. Um, but I understand that when you're working with audio, you don't necessarily have um, all the time and all the visual uh, stuff to, to do what you have to do. And sometimes you have to revert to a crossfade to save yourself a second and a half or whatever. Um, but it doesn't, it, it's a little bit odd, particularly in this edit, um, for that to be there. But, you know, the alternative is to have that other thing that isn't that good either. So um, I'm kind of mixed on whether, what, what, which one I prefer. Um, there is um, another thing that's been removed because of the, all the stuff with... Uh, um, well, let's uh, let's just say this: uh, the sequence that I was sharing, saying at the very beginning of this of the second half here, that really hurts this um, is that really hurts this edit, and it really hurts the movie. Is this sequence of events um, that unfolds pretty much right now at this point that I'm talking about? Sam is given the instruction that he needs to get the glasses because the glasses encoded in them, uh, the glasses of his great-great-grandfather, whatever, is encoded with some mysterious uh, old Cybertron language that tells him where the cube is, which is actually really inconsistent because it doesn't tell them where the cube is. <clears throat> um, because apparently, the oh, I guess they're trying to say that they built the Hoover Dam around the cube and not that they put the cube in the Hoover Dam. Uh, anyway, um, the point is, is that he has to go back to his house to find the glasses and then get the glasses to uh, um, Optimus Prime. And so you have the sequence where he goes to his house and all the giant three, four-story um, tra- Transformers are walking around the house and nobody sees or hears them. Um, I was really hoping that there was a way to cut all of that out and just just get away with it. Um, but you I guess he can't if uh, this editor, certainly I think if he could, he would have, but he can't. Uh, so you get, you still get a lot of that stuff. It, it's cut down quite heavily. Like there's a, there's definitely like seven or eight moments that have been trimmed out, which really help uh, to minimize how awkward the whole thing is cinematically. Um, but there's still stuff it's still there. Um, and even the, the scene, and I'm wondering why even the, I, I, I'm. This is one of those things that I might want to, for my own curiosity, is kind of open that that sequence up to see if there's any way just to remove it altogether. Um, I imagine you'll get a few inconsistencies here and there doing so, but um, I, I, I don't know. There's there's a part of me that just feels like it's it, it's it can be completely excised. You know, he runs in, you cut to him getting the glasses, and then he's and then boom the. Uh, then you have this, the agents come into the to the uh, um, to the movie. So like the secret agents, not the secret agents, but Sector Seven agents come into the the house and um, sort of kidnap uh, them and um, and then take them to the the Hoover Dam thing. Um, well, they take them outside. They get uh, uh, the the Decept- the Autobots stop them, and then then it ends up with them going to the Hoover Dam. Um, but I I want and then that uh, like. And a lot of the stuff with uh, John Turturro that I mentioned in the first half where he's like, all he does is like provide comedy and comic relief. Um, 
he that a lot of that has been reduced out of this edit, which is really good. Um, for example, like there's this really awkward sequence where he he's captured them from the home. They just now got the glasses, and he's taking them somewhere, and he's interrogating them in the back of this car, and he has like this line about. You know, her being a, uh, Megan Fox having like a criminal background and saying like criminals that those they're hot. That's hot. And it's like, what? Like, whoa, this chick is supposed to be in high school. And uh, uh, it's just really bizarre. Uh, thankfully, in this edit, all of that is removed. Um, and also when the, the, the Autobots pull them, you know, get them, stop them and then, you know, get the heroes out. There's also this weird thing that happens in the original where Sam is like, hey, I need you to take off your clothes. Like, he's telling that to John Turturro's character. And uh, and and uh, he does. And it's just, that's weird, too. And, you know, fortunately, all that's from... Oh, yeah, and then that's the scene where, in the original, Bumblebee, like, pisses on the guy. And, like, ah. Uh, you have the great Optimus Prime having some line where he says, Bumblebee, stop lubricating him. Ah, uh, it's so bad in the original. Um, thankfully all of that is gone. And when I first watched, I didn't, I thought that'd be a little bit more difficult to edit out because John Turturro's character is wet in all the scenes that follow that. And you can't have this weird continuity thing where he's dry and then wet, you know? Um, but what this editor did is he just cut out all the other stuff where he's wet. Uh, all the stuff for him without his clothes. So you don't have to show him what taking him off the clothes. You don't have to show the piss stuff. Everything is taken out and it's, it's much, much better. Um, much better. Um, so they go to Hoover Dam, and I wish there was more explanation as to why they um, decided to keep uh, this, you know, this robot, you know, so close to the cube or whatnot, or why there's no other safety mechanisms on it. Should it come back alive or whatever? Um, but anyway, they get to the cube, and um, uh, they get Bumblebee to. Close the cube, uh, make it, you know, make it small or whatever. And um, and then that triggers, well, there's that little tiny robot thing kind of alerts the rest of the Decepticons that they're here at the dam, that the cube is here, that Megatron is here. And so uh, all the Decepticons come in, which then leads into the third act of them having this giant conflict um, in the city. I don't know what city it is. What's next to Hoover Dam? I don't know. Uh, my geography is really bad. I apologize. Um, if I had to guess, it's San Francisco, um, but that's just me guessing. Um, but anyway, um, there are some other clever edits that happen here in the third act, and I'm sure I saw more than I can remember right now, of course. Um, uh, you know what, before I do that, one of the things that's removed out of the sequence with the cube is um, there's this scene where they're trying to explain how the cube works or something like that and they have like the cube's energy goes to this little thing where they throw in like a cell phone and the cube zaps it sort of they harness the energy and zap the thing and it turns into a little transformer um that's been removed from this one and as bad as that sequence is like it's it's got this weird comedic element to it it's bizarre the it looks very fake the the effects on that particular transformer aren't very good um, you get this, at least at the very, at the very least, you get this sense that, okay, the cube can bring life to, um, bring life to, uh, inanimate objects, uh, electrical objects. 
And without that scene or without that explanation, the 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 importance of the cube and what it means to Cybertron is a little bit lost in this one. It, it has like a mysterious, you don't really know what it's good for kind of thing, except that you know it's pure, one of the guys is pure energy. If you put it into your chest, it'll kill you. Um, that's all you get out of it, and. I guess that works. I remember thinking I missed that element of seeing that the cube would do that. Because then that would... Sp- but then, then I'm like wondering, well, why didn't... Well, it doesn't matter. Uh, it's cut out in this edit. And it's not the worst edit. Not not the worst choice. Um, I, I kind of... I wondered if there was another way to get that information across. Um, uh, but, uh, but anyway, it's not there. And there's another scene, you know, and this is actually, maybe this is actually to the editor's credit, because in the third act, when uh, all hell's breaking loose, um, Sam is running with the cube down this this road, and it kind of zaps a few things along the way that turn into Transformers, Um, one of which is like a soda soda machine, so like turns in, it's like shooting Cokes at people or something. Uh, You know, that's gone. All of that stuff is gone, which, you know, makes sense, because we don't know what the cube does in this edit. and uh, you know, I guess that you know, to be fair, like in the in the original, that that kind of stuff was pretty cheesy. So maybe it is for the best that it's all cut out. Um, but I, I miss having a little bit more of an explanation of the of how we can see why the cube is important. Uh, but nonetheless, it's gone. Um, and there is a another thing that's pretty clever about the third act is that in the original, the there's this there's this moment, which really really the there's this moment where uh, the soldier character sort of grabs Sam by the collar and says, look, you know, you're a soldier now. You need to take this cube and you need to get it up to the top of this floor so this helicopter, uh, this Blackhawk, can take it and fly it away from here. And at, um, and the same soldier get, talks to Megan Fox, like, I need you to get out. And she's like, I'm not, doing, I'm not leaving without taking a Bumblebee. Now... That whole scene is is cut out, um, and I remember as soon as it was cut out, and I saw that it was gone. And we, instead, we just kind of he gets the cube from Bumblebee and just starts running with it. Um, I was wondering, wait a second, we don't know where he's going and why because that little that moment was gone. And when he gets to the top of that building and the chopper is there, we're going to be wondering why is that there. And I was like, I don't know. He just created a, a pretty big um, uh, error that we're about to run face first into um, in a couple of minutes here. Um, but what he did was when Sam gets to the top of the building, the whole sequence with the chopper has been cut out and very well and very well done cut out. Like very well done cut out. You talk for however many minutes straight I have and I can't even talk correctly. Can't even speak correctly. Listen to me. Um, he gets to the top in the edit where he removed the Black Hawk and Megatron's destruction of the Blackhawk is excised from this edit, and you would never even know it's there. It's one of the best... Um, I don't know if it's one of the best edits I've... I, it's one of the things that I was, I was really surprised how well it was done. I didn't, I didn't... I blinked, and it was... I was like, wait a second, did it happen? Is it going to happen? Did it already happen? Like, I was really... I was genuinely confused. Um, so that was, a, that was very cleverly done, and it needed to be done. Uh, in order to, um, because you didn't have the introduction to that that chopper from uh, earlier, that you can't have the chopper later, and he, it was a great it was a great cut there. Um, 
the uh, so you know he 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 does get pushed off the ledge by um, by Megatron and uh, he falls on what would be to his death, but he's captured by Optimus and they have their big final battle. Um, Megatron gets a little too close to Sam at some point and uh, he uh, puts the uh, cube in Megatron's chest and kills him. Um, well, until the sequels, apparently. Um, Megan Fox's character, she has attached a... Oh, I remember a line that was removed for her. Um, she has attached a, a sort of like a, a, a fork... Is it a... No, a tow truck to, um, to Bumblebee and is dragging him uh, out of uh, harm's way. And in the original, she has this line... Um, I'll drive, you shoot. And then she she's backing up um, through this street or whatever. Uh, it's this really cheesy line. And this guy, I was waiting for that to be cut out, and certainly, uh, thank God it was. Um, also, there are some other things where he, she's like telling him, shoot, shoot, and he's firing away. Uh, all that's removed. Um, it's just him uh, going through that. Uh, but anyway, um... um uh, yeah, so he, you know, Megatron's dead, and the four or five of them that are left over, they slightly mourn the death of Jazz, who was killed by Megatron earlier, and um, and then and then the movie kind of ends a little abruptly. Um, in the original, you have this voiceover by um, uh, by Optimus Prime talking about you know living with humans. Uh, protectors living in plain sight that kind of thing um there's also a follow-up sequence with i believe this oh yeah the soldier one of the soldiers has a subplot that's that doesn't get a lot of it that doesn't get any attention in this edit but it's completely cut out but in the original where he, he has a wife and daughter at home and he finally gets to get to her at the end um that's all cut out um a lot of this stuff with uh the 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 military people, the 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 Australian hacker and Anthony Anderson, uh, that plot um, goes away as soon as oh they they enter some underground uh, they, oh they have to communicate with like CB radios or something and um, but anyway I don't know if the I don't even know if the original kind of cuts back to them and kind of wraps up their plot uh, their storylines but this one certainly doesn't. Um, as soon as they sort of remorse uh, over the, the the destruction of Megatron in the city, uh, you cut to them uh, out on that uh, that last shot of them on the car, um, and the 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 Decepticon of uh, the Autobots hiding in plain sight. They they look very uh, very suspicious the way they <laughs> the way they sit there on the hill. But um, but anyway. Um, in this edit, all we do, is, all we get is a musical cue. Uh, the music kind of plays out, and uh, we see them, you know, on, the, on that that last shot with Optimus kind of looking out in the horizon. And uh, that's how the movie ends. It cuts there and rolls roll credits. Um, it, it it it's a little abrupt. Um, you you don't get a sense. Uh, there's a each one of the plot strands doesn't really have a, a nice finality to it, whether it's Megan Fox and Sam or Megatron. Uh, he's, they do show him dropped into the ocean. Um, 
the voice, the original voiceover explains that they're. I don't even think if it's a voiceover. They have like a military voiceover come in and tell them they're doing it to drop them in the Marianas Trench or whatever. Um, but anyway, the point is that's um, that's removed too. The the explanation. I see him drop. That's fine. Just drop them in the water. We understand what's going on. Um, but without the closing statement from Optimus, even the Autobots don't really have a conclusion. So we're kind of left with it uh, kind of left in the air a little bit um, it's a little unsatisfying uh, the original was a little unsatisfying too but this is a little unsatisfying in a different way perhaps a less egregious way um, which might make it an improvement it's on that voiceover and they always say remove voiceover so I, I gotta give them credit for that um, but that's uh, and then that's the end of the movie uh, you know I certainly didn't say, talk about all the edits that went into this like I said there's like 30-40 minutes cut out it's very streamlined. The movie still feels long. It still feels like two hours, um, but that's in part because you have the, a middle section that has a lot of ill, a lot of poorly done uh, screenwriting and illogical consistency. Starting with the whole uh, retrieving the glasses at his house that goes on for a couple of scenes until really till the third act, um, uh, and so so this suffers the same. But you you don't suffer as long, <laughs> and certainly not to the degree that's in the original. Um, I, I, I think that this edit could be improved by having a little bit more of a link, uh, a, spending a little bit more time with the characters in the opening sequence, particularly the Sam Witwicky, um, line, um, because without the characters getting introduced, it's hard to jump in with them, with their dilemmas, uh, emotionally in the end of the first act going into the second. So, um, I'm, I might, I might, you know, while I'm all about cutting things out, that might be something that was cut a little too much out. Um, but uh, at the end of the day, pretty good. Pretty, 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 pretty good. <laughs> um, you should check this out. I think uh, if if you are a Transformers fan, or kind of wish that you wish that there was something a little, you know, a little bit less uh, cumbersome uh, than watching the original, I think this is a fine replacement for that. Um, I don't. Uh, I don't know if he has an HD version. I saw a DVD version of it. Um, the DVD quality was fine. Um, I didn't have any problems with it. There, there was some. I think there were some audio issues. Uh, not really audio issues, but you can. I could kind of tell when, uh, you know, maybe the score had been replaced. There's sort of a, a different quality of sound. Um, but nothing, nothing dramatic. I, I, I know. I personally, I know. I kind of have an ear for stuff like that, and I know a lot of people when they watch stuff, they don't catch that. So I'm, I'm probably making a mountain out of a molehill on that. Uh, technically, this is fine. It's uh, quite good. Um, so you should, uh, if you're in that field, and you're in, you want to see Transformers a little bit differently, um, and see how, how, how well it flows without a lot of that silliness in it, the unnecessarily stupid stuff. I think this is a pretty good edit. Um, yeah. So you should check it out. Transformers by uh, Uncanny Ant-Man. That's Uncanny Ant-Man Transformers. All right. Uh, Thank you for listening. And uh, I'm out of here.